What is up, everybody? I am your host, Kyle Pig, and welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Breaking news, if you haven't heard, Doc Rivers out, outright, fired, finoozled, finessed, done, completely irreconcilable differences between him and the Sixers. We'll break it all down right here. Let's give Kevin Kincaid the floor right now. Kevin, 15 minutes before we come on here, Doc Rivers is fired. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, it's not shocking per se. You know, obviously James Harden didn't give him the, uh, the greatest vote of confidence, but uh, Joel Embiid did, which, uh, which seems to be what matters most when uh, one guy is under contract and one guy is probably going to say no to his player option. First thing you're thinking about with Doc getting fired and these list of next coaching candidates we see right in front of us. Uh, first thought uh, was, of course, it had to happen. You know, I don't think anybody is surprised by that. You know, I think we could have all gone back to the beginning of the season and said, you know, if Doc doesn't get him past the second round this year, then that's that's it, right? You know, I can't remember anybody who was disputing that or saying otherwise. Um, as I glance at the chat here and Ford is just going ape looking for Ian and trying to trying to get him back for the, <laughs> for the <laughs> criticism for earlier this week. Um, not a Celtics fan, remember, not a Celtics fan. No, no. And like, look, I, I, you know, we can get all into, you know, the different, uh, you know, thoughts of how you want to go with this roster um, this year. But uh, Domino's certainly were going to fall. And this was the easiest one. You know, Doc had two years left on his contract. So they eat that. And um you know, send him packing, and uh, I think I think you probably had to do that just based on the fact that there were so many good candidates available. Um, you know, Woj put out a list of six guys who um, are on the. I guess he phrased it the way the Sixers are looking at them or on their Sixers list. What did he say? The Sixers search for a new coach mm-hmm. uh, is expected to include Mike Budenholzer, Sam Cassell, Mike D'Antoni, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, and Monty Williams. I mean, half of those guys have won a title. So. Is there any creativity in the NBA anymore when it comes to coaches? Like, are there any Dude. hot shot assistants? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, we're, it just feels like the same runaround. Like, like yeah. we're going to be in 2060, and Mike D'Antoni's cryogenically frozen head is going to be on the list of short list of candidates and stuff. It's wild. Well, it does feel. Yeah, I mean, it does feel in a way a little retreadish. You know, like the NHL used to get all of the criticism for that, mm-hmm. but. You know, when you look at that list of guys, okay, Buddenholzer won a, a title not long ago, but yeah, he's a could be considered a retread. Sam Cassell has never had a head coaching job. Mike D'Antoni's a retread. Nick Nurse also won a title, but could be considered a retread. I don't know if he's had enough, you know, head coaching years to be considered a retread. Ah, that's an arbitrary kind of number, but Frank Vogel won a title, also a retread. Monty Williams is a retread. Um, but good. I mean, you can be a retread and good at the same time. Doc was a retread and not good. So, um, you know, when looking when looking through this list of guys, uh, I just slapped something together on the site. I was like, I was outside trying to mow the lawn in between stories. The battery died, and then I got the notification that Doc got fired. So I like hauled ass up back up to, to the house. And I'm like looking at the list of dudes. And Will you um, get a gas powered lawnmower, you lib. Jesus no, Christ. No, no gas powered. No, I, I'm going to have to, I'm probably going to have to give in and get a riding mower, but it's going to be a battery powered riding mower. I'm not going gas, man. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to, uh, my entire garage is going to be filled with nothing but battery powered. You got to start somewhere, man. You have to be part of the mower. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be part of the solution, Pagan, you know? Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I look at that list and, um, 
I like what I want for this. Here's what I want for the Sixers. I yeah. want like a, like a like a like a Taylor Jenkins or what a what a Nick Nurse was when he took over for Dwayne Casey. Like a mm-hmm. like a hungry dude who's got like an acumen for X's and O's. Who like like wants it? Who's going to put in the time and effort? I don't want another doc who's just going to be seemingly going through the motions at times. You know, yeah, he's worried about more about his golf tee times than he is about maybe watching film at the uh, you know from game yeah. six to game seven and whatnot. Here's what I want: I want a guy who's going to challenge Joel Embiid and challenge maybe Harden, depending on what comes back. I do think Harden has a more likely chance to come back. Obviously, we saw that report from Ramona Shelburne that said it was kind of Doc Rivers or it was James Harden. Um, I just need someone. I, and I think if I see on that short list, I don't know enough about Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell kind of just feels like I know people love him. People want him. But Sam Cassell, I think, you know, he's kind of he's, he's green in a way. Um, and he's kind of would be a player's coach, per se. But do you want to um, go? Want to go down the list? We can go down the list and talk about each of these guys. There's not a lot of them. I mean, no, you, my my two that that I would want is probably Monty Williams. And probably Nick Nurse, guys that are going to challenge and okay. beat and challenge Harden and challenge these guys on the team and not be a player's coach and not give in and whatnot. I mean, we saw that Rashid Wallace clip where it was just like, yeah, we used to come out of the huddle and we used to just draw up plays for ourselves or make adjustments for ourselves. Like that's that's insane. I mean, Paul Pierce is on record calling him, you know, a player's coach and whatnot. You know, one time he showed up to a practice hungover. Doc sent him home and said, hey, just go get ready and get ready for tonight. It's just that's not today's really NBA. Everybody's so coddled right now. All players are, are really coddled because all these coaches are on the chopping block and it's real easy to fire a coach than it is to trade your 100, 200, 300 million dollar player. So, you know, yeah. before I really give into Embiid being a total loser i want a coach who i know can challenge him and if he doesn't get the most out of him then i think we can finally write the story that joel and is a loser obviously you can tell that i'm already kind of becoming more optimistic from 48 hours ago i've kind of already talked myself back yeah. into harding yeah. coming back and yes go ahead yesterday was rough man seven seven sixer stories ever again you know it's a bad day I know. I, you know, I was like, I had to get up and like leave the office at like three, three o'clock. I'm like, I can't write about the Sixers anymore. I was like, I was, and I had like pollen in my eyes and everything. I'm like, what the <sighs> hell is going on? I felt like I was like a zombie or something. I can't write a, I can't do another dig into like the Sixers injured. playoff history, you know? Um, I went so far back. I was digging up names like Jamal McGlure and Baron Davis from the 2003 playoffs, but let's, uh, let's keep it on track here. Right. Um, the, the thing that I think is 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 key for me is that it's just got to be somebody with like energy, somebody who like really really wants this. I keep going back to that doc quote. This doc quote stuck with me from the beginning when he came in and he did the the introductory press conference. This was still and everything was on Zoom, and he said I, he said something to the effect of I was ready to take a break. Yeah, he was, and this is after all the Clippers failures. I mean, he said I was ready to take a break and step away from it for a little while, but this job opened up and it was intriguing. So that was a red flag that that went up immediately. Pagans, it was like, does this guy want a coach right now? Well, do you I remember mean, what that quote he had? He had the quote last last week where it was like he has this kind of fuck it attitude is what he called it. He's like, back in the day, I would have cared yeah. that James Harden went to Vegas. And dude, I don't really care if James Harden is going to Vegas in between oh. series and whatnot. They had ten days off. But like he was like back in the day, I would have gotten really angry at it. Now I'm just kind of like, you know what? Fuck it. 
And it kind of feels like he coached kind of in like this fuck it way. You know, what's his uh, what's his face? Joe Mazzola uh, goes game six with the two big lineup, game seven with the two big lineup. Mm-hmm. The yeah. series just totally flipped on its head at that point. Joe Mazzola made the adjustment, and Doc just never – he just had that fucking attitude to not ever make an adjustment, it feels like. No, and, and you yeah, know, we can get into all that X's and O's stuff later if you want to go back to Game 7 a little bit. But I, I think, like, for me, I ranked those six candidates that Woj put out there. And I threw Jay Wright into the list. I threw Dawn Staley in there as well. Dawn Staley's weird because I keep seeing her name brought up by fans, but I don't really see her name brought up by, like, your Woj's, your insiders, your media, or whatever. I don't know if she's a real – candidate or not i don't know if she is convinced we can put her on like a like mm-hmm. in her own category you know um i still have jay right at the top of the list no for the reasons that i told you number one being like he hasn't coached in the nba before and it's something different and there's some energy and he's gonna have something to prove and what and and would have like this he's not he's not a retread right okay now, I don't that, could, that could be a real po- possibility no, no, I think he's got okay. a good thing going right now. I don't I don't know. And even if he did come to the NBA, does he want the Sixers job versus maybe getting to coach Jalen Brunson again in New York? Yeah, no, the coach of the Villanova North. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. And, and Josh Hart, right? I don't I don't know if the Sixers is yeah. a better job than than the Knicks right now. I mean, maybe he's the coach at Hofstra, he's got those New York ties. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe we can throw that out to the chat uh because there's a bunch of people going back and forth in there. I mean, do you think the Sixers job is better? Than the Knicks' job at this point in time, obviously we don't know what Harden's going to do, and we don't know if they're going to move Harris or whatever. But at the n- number one, I had uh, Jay Wright. Okay, number two, I had Nick Nurse because he's still—I think he's still young, youngish, and hungryish, and still has a little bit of something to prove, even after winning that title. And I think he's the least re- <laughs> retreadish, retreadish out of out of out of that group, right? Uh, number three, I think I had. Uh, God, I can't even remember now. I think I had uh, Monty Williams at three, or I had like a Monty Williams, Mike Buddenholzer tie, because I think they're similar. Like they've both gotten to the finals, but they've and Buddenholzer's won one, but they both had their share of disappointments too. Monty Williams has blown blew a couple leads in Phoenix, presided over a couple blown leads in Phoenix, and Bud Bud's had some disappointments too. First round exit this year, got to the conference finals a couple times, couldn't get over the hump, and then they finally did. Cassell, I think I had fifth. Cassell is interesting because. I don't. I don't think. I don't know what the optics are, Kyle, of like hiring Doc's assistant. You know, yeah. like can, can he avoid? Can he like, like avoid the stank of that, or, or is it unfair that we are are connecting him to the stank at all? I mean, the players seem to really, really like him, Tyrese Maxey especially. So should we punish him? Should we punish him just for being Doc's lieutenant? You know, is it fair to ask the reporters to kind of give us a look, like the the, the guys who cover the Sixers? Great X's and O's guys would probably love more profile guys on the beats, kind of like a Jeff McLean, kind of like an Alex Coffee, kind of like a, a Matt Gelb, guys who have like inside sources. I would love to know like what Doc was like day to day. Did he let did he let his assistant coaches actually devise a defensive game plan? Did he let his defensive did he let his other coaches like Sam Cassell make adjustments or hey Doc, I think we should do this. Like how much involvement did they have? Or was he just completely checked out being like, hey, Doc, here's the defensive game plan on your desk. Here's the offensive game plan on your desk. Let's hope we win. I I, I would love to know what yeah. was it like day to day in there. And then I feel well, better about Snape Cassell. Yeah. Yeah. Um I agree with you on that. And because I think that Cassell is certainly qualified and I think he deserves a look. He should be interviewed just the same as everybody else. And I think that, you know, you should not, ha- he should not be penalized by 
the fact that people are down on Doc right now. But I mean, it's it's legitimate in the optics department to think about like, okay, so we're going to Doc's assistant, really? Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be going to take some convincing, probably. Number six, I had. I honestly would put, I'll take Dawn Staley off of her island. I'll insert her there. I think I'd rather have Dawn Staley than like Frank Vogel and Mike D'Antoni. Just because I think like the D'Antoni ship has sailed. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was a, he was a candidate for the job like three years ago or whatever. And you have the Harden connection. Obviously I don't want Harden back. So I don't want D'Antoni either. Um, And Frank Vogel, I know he's a local dude. If Wildwood's local. Um, I mean, Taylor Swift is from Wyoming, Michigan, came out and told everybody she's from Philly. So, uh, you know, we can all we have a separate discussion on that. But, uh, you know, he won the ring in the bubble with LeBron and AD and whatnot. So it's hard to know how much he really gets credit for that. He's retreadish as well. So that was kind of how I ranked those eight people. I just want somebody who's, you know, like, like, like really fucking wants it. Like, I want to coach. I want to, like, you know, dial up a, a, something to get Joel a better look at the rim, like wants to be like involved and a little bit more hands-on. And um, that's and maybe that's that is, for me. And going back to Cassell, maybe that is Cassell. Cause what, what we can understand is, and, and, and you can admit it if you want to or not, but this is a guard driven league and it's very hard to play through your big man. So like, can, and, yes. and I, I know yeah. you saying you, you don't want Harden back. I don't know where they go from here. I don't know how they can't bring them back. They have there's not really any flashy free agents that are out there. There's not even really that great mid-level exception guys. There's this thing with the cap now where there's like two f- tax floors now, which actually I, I I read that screws the Sixers and whatnot. Like there are like you're kind of pigeonholed because of everything that's happened, good and bad and fair or not fair. Like nobody could predict, you know, Burner Gate. Burnergate having to put Elton Brand in charge and he's signing, you know, Al Horford and Elton Brand. Nobody can predict that Ben Simmons was going to hold out. There are yeah. some fair things with Mikael Bridges being traded. That's fair to criticize them. Julio Okafor, very fair to criticize them. But you have to kind of take a step back and look that there were probably the, some of the weirdest occurrences of things that happened and have set them up for where they're at right now. That being said, you could talk me back into James Harden. You really could. You could talk me back into James Harden if you can just produce an offense that just moves without the ball. It doesn't stand around when Joel Embiid and James Harden have it in their hand. I understand they're humongous losers, such humongous losers, but like I just don't know where else you can go. Daryl Morey will earn his paycheck this 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 offseason. Yeah. Somehow he will earn this paycheck. You could say, hey, listen, we have until 2031 when we have the Oklahoma City has our first round pick, but it's top six protected. Maybe maybe you give it two more years and then you try to trade, you know, and be for 75 cents on the dollar and you do your best to get hard out and you tank and you go back to where we were. I mean, it's 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 not a bright. It's not a bright future, but. It's kind of you're, you're you're given the hand you're dealt and maybe Cassell well, can't. Let me let me ask you this because this is what I this is how this is what I keep coming back to as I talk it through in my head. Um, I would try to get rid of okay, we got rid of Doc, right? He was number mm-hmm. one because my thing was like I, I would try to move move on from Doc. I would try to move on from Harden, mm-hmm. and I would try to yeah. move Tobias Harris. And if yeah. you came back with a one-two of Maxi and Embiid, and then tried to work something around that, because I just don't because here's my problem. I think if Harden opts in, it's going to be contingent. That's going to be paired with him wanting to play for a certain coach, probably. So so you're committing not just to him again for another year or if you do this extension with him. But then, like, I don't know. Does that mean like like somebody like Dan Tony, like his preference, you know, so are we going to have to give up 
are we going to have to you know meet these these uh hypothetical conditions on a, on a return for him or do you just say like you know why don't you opt out and go back to Houston or something like that you know yeah i don't know how much i believe the Houston stuff it just makes no sense to bring a guy who's mm-hmm. 33 years old who wants the max and you're going to put him around Victor Wembanyama if you win the if you win the lottery. You're going to put him around Jalen uh, Jalen Green if you win the if you win the lottery. Like, do you want that kind of person around your guys? Like, he's he's not the the, the greatest uh, uh, teammate. <laughs> like, no, no. Like out on that screams like great teammate. I know him and Tyrese had a pretty good relationship and whatnot. But like, do you think he really like maybe gave Tyrese some moves? But do you really think he like advanced Tyrese's career? I, I think Tyrese is a is a hard worker on his own right. Well, I mean, it's just it just like makes sense, you know. Like you have the the MVP, um, maybe he's soft, but uh, you know, and maybe it's hard to play with a big as being your best guy in the playoffs. But um, it's hard to just say, all right, we're going to dump the MVP and, and move on here. I mean, I think you try to ride and bead, ride and bead as long as you can. I mean, I would rather ride and bead with like Maxi and try to keep making it work around him versus like blowing it up. I mean, you can blow it up whenever you want to. Man, there's you know, there's so, not many assets. Yeah, yeah. And I just you know, and the thing with Harris too is it's like you, you look, he's gonna make thirty nine million yeah. this year, which is ridiculous. And it's gonna be easier. It's gonna be easier now because it's on the last year of his contract. But I mean, like, what what are you doing with that? Are you are you bringing back like are you trying to find another a, a team that's like who is who is taking on Tobias Harris? Are you looking at some Portland. mid some mid team that's like yeah the like like maybe the, Portland, but I don't think Dame comes back with that unless they attach like Jaden Springer and attach, a first, yeah. first rounder. Yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, because you're not just going to do some straight salary for salary swap and like we'll give you we'll trade trash for trash here unless yeah. there's a team that like knows they're going to like blow it up and tank and you know can pull back a draft pick from from Daryl Morey in, in in that some way. There's just no upside to a Tobias Harris trade for. Um, for, for, for any of that, but I, I just, I, I keep going back to what we said on the show, like all year long, which is that like people are keeping this team at arm's length and like that ended up just being the, the, the right thing in the end. I mean, because they were, they were, proven, I don't, don't want to go, I don't want to do like a, I told you so, or they were proven right or no. people were proven wrong or whatever, but ultimately like it probably like their, that mentality made, made sense because the Sixers had another chance to prove it and they didn't just lose game seven um they and they were the underdog in game seven of course they're playing on the road but in the biggest moment on the biggest stage when the spotlight was the brightest they fucking folded yeah again they completely fucking folded they quit uh Embiid's body language was terrible Harden didn't even look at the rim Doc was absent uh, there was no fire, no grit, no guts, no determination, no nothing. All the stuff that we saw in Game Five, it, it, we just saw it. So it's it's there somewhere. So what happened? What happened between Game Five and Game Seven? Did Game Six just just kill them? The fact that they were unable to close it up, like what changed to me? Because something finally clicked, and we saw this team in Game Five that had the right attitude, the right mentality. They weren't getting down. They weren't moping around. Body language is good. They're answering mistakes with with defensive stops and making big shots. And I, I just it's just like flabber flabbergasting to me. They looked like such losers in that game. Just like loser mentality, loser body yeah. language, loser mindset. The total opposite of like what we've seen from Jalen Hurts this year and Bryce Harper and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and dog after dog after dog after dog. 
on various Philadelphia sports teams and the Sixers, what? Just just dis, just disappeared. Just got got clobbered. And, you just, that, you, you, and you you just spend your last five years, whether it's like just fighting for an B just to be either the MVP or you fight for him just to be, you know, first team all NBA or, you know, a perennial all star and all defensive guy. And you just, you know, fight with all these people you never even will talk to in your life on social media. And for yeah. him to just kind of do this complete 180 and then double it down, doubling it down on on the press conference was wild to me. I know, you know, people were like they took that quote out of context. That quote stunk. I don't care if you, if you if you think it got taken out of yeah. context. If yeah. you think that he said I got to be better first, and that just totally uh, deletes everything he says after. I disagree with that. He did that weird thing where he laughed after he did the the Giannis quote, where he said not every season is a failure. Then he laughed. He's laughing with Jason Tatum. I know they're buddies. I know they hang out. I know they train together with Drew Hanlon. Like, I just I I don't love that shit. And then just to kind of like bring it all full circle. You got Bryce Harper during the game, trying to fight the entire Colorado Rockies team in a meaningless game in May on Sunday. And you're kind of looking at that where you're like, look at this guy. He gives a shit. And you're laughing after Jason Tatum put up 51 on your team. And that just like, that just totally rubbed me the wrong way. And I can, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even shocked that this city has kind of just done a complete 180 on Joel Embiid. I'm really, I'd be really interested to see, and I'm going to make this prediction, that I think Sixers games during the regular season will be down next year on NBC Sports. I think the viewership will be down. I think also season tickets. We've already known a couple people who have already not renewed their season tickets and whatnot. I'm hearing more and more. There were some... Some seats in the playoffs in the first round that you know would typically you know be yeah. sold out that they had entire rows that were that were open during the playoffs. I'd be I'd, I'd be shocked to see Sixers fans not have them at even further of an arm's length than we had them at this year. No, no, I mean, I mean and, and we didn't, and we had them. Yeah, we had them at a relatively distant arm's length ourselves. You know, I, I you know obviously I stopped going down to the games, um, but that was more of a product of just having a different role with the company and, you know, having two little kids or whatever. Well, I'm not, I'm not a Sixers beat reporter anymore. I never really was, but that notwithstanding, um, you know, we had the Phillies world series run and we had the Eagles super bowl run. And even when we were do Sixers stuff, uh, there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of clicks, you know, on it. People weren't really reacting or responding to it too much. I think, I think people were apathetic to it, not just for the reason that the Eagles were good and the Phillies were good, but because there was just no interest in the Sixers and they're waiting for the second round of the playoffs again. You know, it's like, it's like the line that we used. I think Pat Gallen mentioned, I may have accidentally stole it from him without giving him credit. So I'll do it now, but it's like, you know, fool me once shame on me, fool me twice, the third time, a fourth time, a fifth, fifth time, you know, sh- you know, shame on my, sh- my shame on my dumb ass, you know, Be- because it was just like, you know, we'd seen the same thing over and over and over and over again, and it happened to be to be true again. But just to go back to your Embiid point, man, it's like, um, you know, Harper's a dog. Jalen Hurts is a dog. Uh, Kelsey's a dog. Lane Johnson is a dog. Scott, somebody mentioned in the Philly fans says Scott Lawton is a dog. Yes, that's correct. Scott Lawton is a dog, you know? Um, people hate when I mention the union guys. The union have multiple dogs, you know? So like, how, how do you impart some dog dogness into a Joel Embiid, you know, I, I mean, it's like they make one adjustment. Boston makes one adjustment where they go double bigs. And so PJ Tucker knocks down a couple corner threes and they look like they're doing fine. They played well in that first, you know, they're up nine, 18 to 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. You know, so then all of a sudden they start missing a couple shots and, and Harden gets the bullshit technical foul. And like, that's enough to like, just make them melt down. 
Yeah. That 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 team faced more adversity in game five and did not, you know, wither mm-hmm. the way that they did in game seven. So what was different about about that? You know, like Embiid has to be a leader, man. He has to have it up here. Like you have to have that second gear, that third gear. And like you have made yourself a second level score and a third level score. Like if they got if they're packing the paint or whatever. Where's your elbow jumper? Like hit a hit a damn three, maybe. Like you're a decent three point shooter now. You know, for him to just look so feckless and ineffective on on that end was just, you know, flummoxing for lack of a better word. I mean, now people are gonna like say that he's the worst MVP of the last ten years. I mean, they may be right. You know, they may be right. Before we get over to to Chase, um, Chase Senior from Chat Sports is kind of he's gonna talk a little bit more about the Sixers with us. We'll talk about the Eagles schedule because we didn't get to that. Obviously, being on Thursday and we don't record till Tuesday. How much uh, how much blame? I, I saw your article is very well written about Daryl Morey. How much blame does Daryl get? You think? Sure. Um, he he gets. I think I had him fifth, maybe fifth in the uh, arbitrary like like list of rankings. I had I had. I had hard. I had Embiid number one. I think. I think I had like Harden two, Harris three, then Doc four. But Maury's the guy who built the roster, so yeah, he's got to be at least in the top five. You know, I just think the caveats that I that I put up there with Maury are that he inherited two like atrocious contracts, mm-hmm. you know, Horford and and Harris, and he was able to move off one of them. Um, you know, but that first year that he came in, man, he moved Josh Richardson, he moved Al Horford, he brought in Danny Green and Seth Curry, and they were number one seed. They had a .681 win percentage that year. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he's, he's the, the big thing that I've had with Maury is that, like, in the middle of the year, like at the trade deadline, he hasn't been able to do anything to make these teams better. George Hill didn't work out. Dwayne Jalen Dwayne Devin, Jalen McDaniels, you know, the Thibel trade, you know, marginal stuff, moving on from Isaiah Joe, uh, Charles Bassey, like maybe those mean something. Um and maybe but that's not too. We don't know. Like we don't. We don't know. Like well, this is the thing. Yeah. We don't know what goes on. And is is is, is Daryl just yeah. yelling at Doc to like play these guys? Like this is something we never know. But this is the thing here. I'm kind of burying the lead because Justin's right. You know, it's it's Maury is going to be uh, forever linked to the it, Maury's tenure in Philadelphia is going to be forever linked to the James Harden stuff. And I think when we look back at it, any everybody was would say that. Trading Ben Simmons for James for a return of James Harden was a, was a a heist, mm-hmm. right? Um, in hindsight, would they have been better off taking another package? Maybe, but uh, but I don't I don't know. <clears throat> James Harden. The only reason the Sixers were even in the series is because James Harden was a superstar in Game One, and because he hit enough big shots in Game Four to to tie it up at two two. So let's not lose lose sight of that. I mean, like he was riding the roller coaster in this series, as shitty as he was in Game Seven. Game three, I mean, he was amazing in those other two. So I, so I don't. Maury's going to be your level of culpability that you put on Daryl Maury is going to be congruent with how you think Harden performed in these games. You know, because we can talk about all the other stuff. We can talk about getting off the Horford contract. We can talk about inheriting the Tobias contract. We can talk about Jalen McDaniels. We can talk about George Hill. We can talk about Montrez Harrell, right? But it, but but ultimately. It's his connection to James Harden and the return on the Ben Simmons trade. And I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff, Kyle, too. It's like impossible to like quantify or qualify. Like how much how much could Maury have done more to rectify the Ben Simmons situation? Was he responsible for that being strained? I don't know. I, you know, nobody really knows how much of that was him, was Doc, was was Ben. So he, he's up there. I mean, I'm not gonna let him skate, but but I don't you know, I didn't when, I didn't have him as public enemy number one. When do you think we get the 30 for 30? Do you think it's like before 
2040. Do you think it takes 20 years to get everybody on board? Maybe 10, uh, 15. You got to yeah. think Darren Morey's probably got at least 10 to 15 years left in the organization. Or yeah. in the uh, NBA, excuse me. You got to think Doc's almost on the way out. You got to think Joel's got at least five to 10 years. Ben Simmons, yeah. who knows if he'll even ever do the documentary. When do you think it comes out? You think if I ballpark at 2045, 22 years from now, do you take in the under, you take in the over on the 30 for 30, the process? I would go under actually because I'm trying to like, I'm thinking maybe it's like the T.O. and McNabb thing. It took like 15 years was the sweet spot for them to just talk total shit about each other and and rehash all that stuff, you know? So maybe that's the, maybe that's the uh, timeline there. But yeah, just what a, what a cluster fuck of craziness, you know, yeah. which is why I just, which is why I wrote that. God, I wrote like three columns yesterday. I'm completely fried. I, I wrote the one about the process and everybody wants to yeah. go back and like relitigate it and reexamine it and redefine it. And it's, it's so cheesy, man, because people just pick like whatever end date they want for the process to fit whatever stupid fucking narrative they, they have, you know, if you hated the process and you hated hinky, then 10 years from now, you're going to say that the process is still going on, you know? And people who think that Hinky did nothing wrong and like, you know, put him on this amazing trajectory or whatever, they're going to say it ended when he got, he got where, when he resigned, you know, but there's so, there's such an, there's so much overlap and there's so many little complications and crazy, insane things that happened along the way. Like even after Hinky resigned, the assets that he accrued were being spent by Brian Colangelo and Elton Brand and Brett Brown and all these guys. And, um, you know, the, the draft pick misses from Brian Colangelo and other people extended in the Daryl Morey's ten, tenure. So you can't the only the only acceptable answer if we we're going to relitigate the process is to say this was like an intricate web of like, you know, some good things and a lot of weird, crazy fuck ups. You know, the GM's wife, you know, running burner accounts like you, you got to be kidding me, you know. So like you can't you can't man, you can't like, package the process discussion into some like nice little, you know. Put a put a bow on it, you know. It's like a seven uh, a, a seven series uh, event, like the Last Dance. It, it might have. I mean, you, you would need that to tell all the story. I mean, like, holy holy cow! It sucks know? that NBC Sports isn't going to be around in fifteen years because they could probably do something documentary <laughs> like that. But uh, here's here's um, the other thing. Here's here's what I truly believe. I stumbled into this is my third column. I put the least amount of effort into this one. I don't think the Sixers. So, so here's the thing. Somebody did a really, really good tweet showing the best players from the teams that the Sixers beat in the playoffs over the last like five years during the Embiid tenure. The best player was like probably Bradley Beal from that Washington mm-hmm. team. Otherwise, they beat Siakam. The Heat team that they beat had like Kelly Olynyk and like James Johnson and like a cooked D Wade. Yep. The Nets this year had nobody. The Nets a couple of years ago had nobody. Like who have they really beaten? They haven't beaten anybody. So you go back and look at it. Since the 2001 run to the finals with Allen Iverson, they have only one series playoff series win against a team that was seated higher than them, and that was when Derrick Rose and Joe Kim Noah both went down in the in the Chicago okay. series. So they had they have not they have not had I'm 100 serious about this. They have not had an impressive playoff series win in 20 years. Mm-hmm. They, they they beat nobody. They beat the Heat. They beat the Nets, they beat the Nets, they beat the Wizards, and they beat a five-seed Raptors team. I'll do I mean, you one Raptors better. Team, yeah. Drew Holiday might be a top-five player from this from this era. When you look at it, all of it from 2012 <laughs> to now, Drew Holiday might be in the top-five uh, Sixers yeah. from this era. Yeah. Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, James Harden. Yeah. Drew Holiday. 
every other um, Philadelphia, every other Philadelphia team, like the four for four, and if you want to throw the Union in there too, every other team has been to at least one finals. The Sixers have not even gotten to the conference finals in that in that same amount of time. So they are they are the most underachieving. They're the number one underachieving group in in Philadelphia by far. The uh, the Sixers have released a statement. If Craig, if you want to pull that up, it is a. Uh, is I'm a more, I'm Maury from Maury. No, no, no. It's a oh. thank you, Coach Rivers. Don't let the door hit you for what? Thank, thank you for what? Thank you, thank you for being Brett Brown. Thank you, Doc. Yeah, well, he—that's the funny thing. He did. I mean, after all this, man. If I told you when they hired him three years ago, he would not get any further than Brett Brown. You know, you could you could argue that Brett did Brett did a better job than 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 Doc too, because I think Game Seven, losing Game Seven on the road to the Raptors by two on a buzzer beater was better than any of the Game Sevens that Doc had. Losing at home to the the Hawks, and then losing and getting blown out on the road by the Celtics. So you could probably say that Brett Brown took the Sixers further. Than, than Doc, you know, looking at the yeah. context of those games. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Craig, Craig has a Photoshop that he was supposed to bring up, but I don't know if he's got it right now. He took the, uh, he took the thank you from Doc Rivers. Oh, all right. Maybe we'll get it up at the end of the show. Anyway, let's, uh, let's bring on our guest today. Chase Sr. He covers the Eagles, covers the 49ers too. We won't hold it against him, but he's done a great job building up the YouTube channel over at uh, Chat Sports. He does, live uh streams of games and whatnot he puts his uh his own little spin on it i really do enjoy him man you're doing a good job over there we appreciate you you're coming all the way out of uh cowboys country correct yeah so chat sports is based in dallas so i grew up in westchester went to temple like you graduated 2015 and then to kind of start my broadcasting career i've been all over the place laid a stop dallas been reading the site for a really long time kyle i think you're the funniest guy in philadelphia sports kevin i appreciate the coverage that you do as well so it's good to hop on i appreciate it man thank you so much yeah i mean i'm sure we've had tons of shit to talk about obviously in the last couple of days just you know you're a fan at at the front of it and everything how you how do you feel you know what's what's what are you you hanging your hat on anything positive or is it kind of just like loser 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 negative 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 how you feeling Yeah, I mean, I I thought they lost the series in game six. So after that, I was in a really dark place. Um, You know, that night I woke up at like three in the morning and I couldn't fall asleep until six because I was thinking about all the sequences to end that game, all of the possessions that they blew, the fact that Jason Tatum just owned them and was their daddy. And I knew that they blew a golden opportunity at that time to finally reverse this curse and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2001. And I just thought that going on the road and beating the Celtics a third time was going to be impossible, especially with this organization that has been perennial choke artists basically my entire lifetime outside of 2001. So with Doc, look, he's a good coach. He's not a great coach. They need somebody in here who can move the needle. I thought that at points in this series, he outcoached Joe Mazzulla, but are you going to hang your hat on that? Joe Mazzulla is like a couple years older than me. Al Horford's older than him, right? And Doc has just consistently come up short in the biggest of moments. He's lost 10 game sevens, five in a row. His record in closeout games is 17 and 33, I think. So it's just not going to cut it. And this is probably the biggest Sixers offseason of my lifetime. Kyle, I know you and I are in mm-hmm. the same age range. Like, I can't remember a bigger offseason than this because there are so many questions. So, move had to be done. It just had to be done. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on Twitter. I mean, Game Five was like the one of the biggest wins, maybe the biggest win of our lifetime. Yeah, in the playoffs. That's sad, but yes, that's true. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. It's very yeah. sad. How's the uh, how's the doc news? Does it make you feel a little bit better for the future? You saw, you know, Coach Bud. You call, saw Monty Williams, Sam Cassell, uh, Nick Nurse. Does anyone kind of tickle your fancy? Yeah. Um, look, I wish Jay Wright would come out of retirement to coach the Sixers. That's a pipe dream for everybody. That's what Kevin but- was yeah, he he's a great broadcaster. I think he's content with just doing that. It's a much easier job. You don't have to deal with the stress. He can go to the Jersey Shore whenever he wants. So let's eliminate him from the equation. I thought it was funny. Daryl Morey's statement. Doc is one of the most successful coaches in NBA history, a future Hall of Famer, and someone I respect immensely. It's like he's one of the most overrated coaches in the history of the NBA. Uh, as far as the coaching candidates, I'd probably rank Nick Nurse one. Monty Williams is okay. Uh, Coach Bud doesn't do anything for me. If they didn't win a championship, he would have been fired a couple of years ago. Eric Spolster ran laps around him in that first-round playoff series. Sam Cassell I kind of like, but I think they're going to bring in somebody who has more chops and more coaching experience. But the development that he's had with Tyrese Maxey and Maxey's leap has been impressive because a lot of the coaches the Sixers have brought in over time, like haven't done a great job of developing players. Mm-hmm. And Cassell's been able to do that with Maxi. Mike D'Antoni is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. That would signal that James Harden is going to come back. He has that connection with Daryl Morey, but the fit doesn't make sense if they hold on to Joel Embiid because the style doesn't cater to what Embiid does well. Because if they go run and gun, Embiid's going to be winded if he's playing 30, 35 minutes per night. And we've already seen him run out of gas in the playoffs. What's going to happen when he's running in Dan Tony's scheme? Pagan, are you like anti Jay Wright? I'm trying to read your body language here because I don't know if I got a like a. Uh, I just don't see it happening. So I guess I am anti Jay Wright. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, can a guy who held that out of it, take that out of it, say, say he was okay. If Jay Wright was on that was listed on that tweet with Woj, what would your reaction be to that? I mean, can a guy who just held uh, scholarships over children's heads for 30 plus years coach the 76ers and professionals? I don't know. I think it's a fair point. He, take the temple shit. See, see, Ch- Chase is willing to take the temple thing out of it and just like and Chase is a professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, also like growing up in Philly, I just rooted for any Philly team that made it to the tournament. Like that St. Joe's yeah. run was incredible. Yep. A couple of those temple yep. runs with John Chaney, they were great. Jay Wright actually gave us Philadelphia basketball fans something to cheer about, which I haven't been able to do basically my entire lifetime as a Sixers fan. I understand mm-hmm. not necessarily a Philly school in the main line. Uh, but for Jay, like, here's my thing. Every like Not every, but like, look at what Jalen Brunson has become. Look how important Josh Hart is. Like, those are really legitimate NBA players, and their development started and streamlined with Jay Wright. And I think from like a schematic perspective, what he ran at Villanova would work at the NBA level. He's been able to make adjustments on the fly. I understand it's college, but the guys won two national championships. He turned Villanova into a blue blood. Brunson is arguably a top five point guard with the way that he played this past season. A lot of people look past that, but like if Eric Spolster is going to say that Jalen Brunson should be an all NBA player, then that tells me that like Jalen Brunson is respected widely. Guy dropped 30 points four games in that series against the heat. So you ha- you see the NBA translation there, but again, I, it's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. Unfortunately, somebody asked this in the chat and it's something I, I meant to 
to, to bring up actually when just me and Kyle were talking, but your perspective, of course, Chase. Um, the, the question was, when's the last time? How, how many NBA teams have won a title going back X amount of years, say 15, 20, where the center has been the best player on the focal point? We've got Giannis yeah. um, a couple years ago, but I I have the list pulled up in front of me. Um, even looking at the list, I don't know. I mean, going back to t- Tim Duncan, it, was he even the centerpiece of those Spurs teams? I mean, I think Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker were probably Parker. as big. Like, like, it's just not – I think we can talk all we want about Embiid and – his attitude and his mindset. Is he a winner? Is he a dog? Take that, put it off to the side and ask the question. Like, can you, can you win in the modern day NBA playoffs with the, when your best player is a center? Right? I mean, yeah. look at what these dudes, look at what these dudes are doing on the perimeter. You know, Steph Curry and Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum being able to create their own shot and do stuff like that. I mean, is it legit? Can we even think that we would be, be able to, to get where we need to go with and be just positionally? Yeah. Well, this is also where, losing Jimmy Butler and keeping Brett Brown, Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris over him really hurts because I've always said this, like, especially nowadays with the way that basketball is played, you win championships with wing players. And then Steph Curry is the exception as a small guard. But Mm -hmm. you look back like Kobe, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, like they're all wing players. And I believe that you win championships with wing players. And that's been the one thing that the Sixers have missed. Mm-hmm. And you think about any centers that have really won a championship. I don't even list Giannis as a center. I think he's just a positionless player. Yeah. So the last one that I can really remember who had like a profound impact on a team is Shaquille O'Neal in the early 2000s, who's the most physically dominant player I've ever seen. But we know who his running mate was. That's Kobe Bryant. So yes. I think that in firing Doc, that signals that Embiid is definitely going to stay. But I think that Daryl Morey, if he's smart, would at least float the idea of trading Embiid away this offseason. And let me explain why. Guy's 29 years old, long injury history. His value will never be higher than what it is right now because he just won an MVP. Bigs, 30 years old and older, don't age well. Kevin, to your point, you don't win titles with bigs. And the Sixers moving forward, they have no draft capital. They have a roster that's kind of barren, honestly, that clearly got exploited by a deeper, longer, more talented Celtics team. So if you want to retool the roster or rebuild it, it kind of comes down to that. Which direction do you want to go in? Then trading away MB does make some semblance of sense, in my opinion, because again, his value is never going to be higher than what it is right now. And if he ends up getting hurt again, then you cost yourselves an opportunity to trade him away at the peak of his value. Um, I'm also just sent this is hilarious too, right on the fly in our Slack channel at Chat Sports 76ers next coach odds. JJ Reddick three to one, Monty Williams four to one, Nick Nurse five to one, Jay Wright six to one, Bud six to one, and Dean Tony seven to one. So well, there that's could be on the fly. Oof, there, there, there could be a locker room turmoil in there. JJ just voted for Giannis for MVP. So yeah, might... JJ Reddick. That's hilarious. Yeah. Every play would be a uh, dribble handoff for JJ. Yeah, the, yeah, the uh, DHO at the top of the key. All yeah, we bring back bring back Bellinelli too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shooting coach. I, so I, I'll strengthen your point one for one thing with the Joe and B trade. 
this will be the best offseason they have to convince the fan base to trade him. I've never seen a complete 180 on a star like I saw people on on Twitter and social media in the media make on on Joel Embiid. The only thing I don't like is I just don't think they're they're not a, a lot of teams with a lot of draft capital. You have your teams like your Oklahoma City Thunders, your Portland Trailblazers, your Houston Rockets and whatnot. But you look at them and you're like, well, why would they take on Joel Embiid? They're not – maybe OKC you could argue. Maybe if you paid you paired Dame and, and Embiid together. But, I mean, Houston's not anywhere close to winning a title. OKC, I, I still with OKC and Chet and, all, and, and Shy and all them, I don't think they're close to winning a title. And Charlotte – you know, if you pair him with Lamelo, they have some draft capital and whatnot. I, I just—that's where I, I just feel like if you're if you're giving away Embiid, you're kind of selling like seventy-five cents, maybe ninety cents on the dollar. But like, maybe that's also a thing. Conversely, where it's like you're never going to get dollar for dollar. You're never going to get what you what you think you should get for for Joel Embiid. Yeah. So there there are two teams that I kind of make sense from an assets and then current timeline standpoint. So his agent used to be Leon Rose, who's now running basketball ops for the Knicks. Mm -hmm. And they have a couple of solid players, but what they do have, if and this is if you want to completely tear it down and rebuild, but I don't think that's the timeline for Philly. Um, they have this protected top 10 pick this year, and then they have like a lot of future draft assets as well, moving ahead into the future. And the Knicks obviously are desperate to win right now. Mm -hmm. So if you traded Embiid there, you know, you team them up with Jalen Brunson and then basically every other player on that roster could be had in a trade and then you get some future draft picks back. That's a destination with the Leon Rose connection that could make sense. And then another team is the Golden State Warriors who have one true center on the roster in Kevon Looney and Anthony Davis owned them throughout that entire series. He was the best player in that series. It's not even close. And what have the Warriors really lacked over the last couple of years, it is a big. Now, what could the Warriors give up? It'd have to be some semblance of future picks as well as like... Like a Jordan Poole or something Jordan like that. Poole, yeah. Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, and Andrew Wiggins as a salary matcher. And you are able to keep Tyrese Maxey and he can be one of your lead guards. And I understand that like a lot of people are down on Poole. His playoff flameout was ugly. But when Steph Curry didn't play and Jordan Poole was in the starting lineup, he averaged 24 points per game. So if he's in the starting five as one of your go-to scorers, he's a good bucket getter. And throughout their finals run last year, he was pretty solid. Like he averaged more than 20 points per game. So I don't love the, the coop that you get back there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm bullish on Kaminga. He, he does have like some shades of Jalen Brown. Brown's been able to develop at a faster clip, but Kaminga's only like still 19 years old. So those two teams kind of make sense. You get more players back from the Warriors and then more picks back from the Knicks. So Knicks would be a full rebuild. Warriors would kind of be a retool. That's what I was going to ask you next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, here's my only, my last basketball point, then Pagan, wherever you want to take it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm trying to think of the, not the devil's advocate thing with keeping Embiid, but like what what the what the upside would look like uh, for for him coming back is that the thing I keep coming back to is like the MVP thing is finally over, like it's done and dusted. All right, he got his MVP. That's not going to be looming over his head for the entire regular season. Right, we're not going to have these questions of like is he playing enough games or whatever. Maybe that does something for him. Maybe it changes his mentality a little bit. 
Maybe it allows him to manage his minutes better because nobody's going to give a shit now if he plays 50 games or if he plays 70. Right. It's like we've been there, done that. We won our MVP. Let's focus on the playoffs, you know? For sure. Maybe they can get him to, I don't know, maybe they can get him to the playoffs healthy, you know, be, be, because of that. Um, that's the only real upside I, I can think other than tweaking the offense so that your highest usage dude is not a seven foot center, you know? But, um, uh, you know, again, that's just what they did. They played through him as a pivot and they ran pick and roll and they, you know, Doc didn't really run any off- offense, you know? <laughs> so it's just yeah. like, it's such a weird thing. That That's all. Oh, that's pretty much the only thing that I can come back to on that, that that makes me interested, you know? Yeah. Somebody in the comment section said the Miami Heat. We know that he's homies with Jimmy Butler, but I don't think the Heat honestly would trade Bam Adebayo for Joel Embiid. I think that Adebayo fits that roster really well. Um, defensively, he is exceptional. He's more durable. So I don't even know if the Heat would make a lot of sense. And what do you get back? Like Adebayo and Tyler Hero? That doesn't move the needle for me as well as future picks. But the Heat are always competitive. So you know that those picks are going to be probably late in the first round because Spolster's a genius. And yeah, to your point, Kevin, like it's so funny with Doc. They run that in, in game five, that Harden and B two-man game mm-hmm. with the pick and pop and the pick and roll. It was great. And yeah. then Joe Mazzola starts Robert Williams and Al Horford, and the Sixers' offense has their worst two performances of the entire season. Just the next two games, yeah. yeah I mean, and there's yeah, and he doesn't have to be like I don't know. You know, it's funny too because sorry, this is really my last basketball point. You're good. Yeah, Jay Wright really ran like an NBA ish kind of. Um, how do I want to say this? How can I explain this on, on podcast format? He didn't really call Jay Wright didn't really call plays necessarily. I mean, like Jay Wright's playbook was probably as big as Chip Kelly's playbook. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, RPO left, RPO right, right. So <laughs> it was like he he played concept basketball, you know, four out, one in, you know, here's what you do based on the read that's that's given to you. So I think it could work in that regard. And Doc's offense was the same thing, but it was even even less intricate than than that you know to the point where it's like i just want you to call timeout and just dial up something that's going to get joel a better look closer to the basket you know um yeah you can play a two-man game all day long and on most uh, in most cases you're going to be able to to work it if you make the right decisions it was a decision making offense not an x's and o's offense you know what i mean yeah. so that's the only thing that makes me think that like you know, Jay doesn't. Jay would not have to come in here and like you know give this these dudes some thick freaking playbook because that's not what the NBA is anyway. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. What's interesting too, Jay never really had like a bona fide center. Obviously, Villanova guard oriented program. Yeah. But as that translates to the NBA, it's a guard wing league mm-hmm. now. So. Yes. Do you trade Embiid if you can hire Jay Wright and then you have like a guard-oriented team? The other thing I like about Jay's offense, and I'm not going to compare it to the Warriors, obviously, but like the ball movement yeah. and the synergy of that offense with the backdoor cuts, it is stylistically a really pleasant offense to watch from that standpoint as compared to just the constant, we're going to run dribble handoff, we're going to run pick and roll, pick and pop, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And if nothing else happens, then we're screwed. And yeah, why James Harden takes a 30-foot footer step well, back. See, this is why yeah. I've never been a Harden guy. And look, like the Sixers won the trade because Ben Simmons is an yeah. absolute fraud. But like the thing about James Harden and why I, his his game struggles to translate to the playoffs, it's predicated on trying to generate contact and get to the yeah. foul line yeah. that he doesn't get as many calls because it's more physical in the playoffs. But also you're dribbling, you're, 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 
the basketball dies when James Harden yes. is the centerpiece of your offense because he dribbles for 20 seconds of the shot clock trying to create offense for himself. And then if he can't get a good look, everybody on the perimeter is just standing idly. And then there's four seconds left on the shot clock. So if they're not open from three, how many shot clock violations did we see or near shot clock violations did we see in the last couple of games of that series against the Celtics? Oh, half the offenses didn't start till 10 seconds left on the shot exactly clock. Four right. seconds left on the shot clock. And it was just like, let's yep. go run, 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 run. Anyway, yeah. I want to get over to the Eagles where you got to go. Uh, schedule comes out. We haven't been able to talk about it because we record on uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays. So cool. it's the first time we get to talk about it. three, one o'clock games, five primetime games. Week 11 versus 14. Week 11 to 14, excuse me. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Include your Philadelphia Eagles and also the team you cover, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Uh, you coming from Philadelphia, I know you kind of balance it both, you know, being a 49ers guy and being just a guy who grew up rooting for the Eagles and whatnot. How has it been? How have you feel with you know, all the, uh, you know, complaining and whatnot from the 49ers during the all season? Are the, are the 49ers fan base even over it? Or is it kind of just like, no, we hate these Eagles. We would have literally beat them if we had the third quarterback on the roster. Yeah, it's so funny. Like the comment section is such a cesspool on both channels because I got Niner fans ripping me for being a Philly guy. And then I have Philly fans just going all in on me. I'm like, I'm one of your own, but I deserve it because I did take the Niners to win the NFC championship game. A lot Um, of people did. Uh, One of the guys at Carson Broad did. Yeah, I mean, dude, if if Brock Purdy played, like I do believe it would have been a good matchup. But anyway, um, yeah, so... It's funny because this was never a rivalry. Eagles-Niners was never a rivalry. They had met one time in the playoffs, and it was in like 1994. So they never really had a history opposite coasts, different divisions. They never really have played in a big game. But then the Eagles put the beat down on San Francisco, and then you have Kyle Shanahan complaining, the entire Niners roster complaining about what it would have looked like if Brock Purdy would have stayed healthy. I would say to the Niners, and I've said this, don't have a tight end blocking Hassan Reddick on the outside, and that's what lost you that game. Um, it's interesting because if Purdy had like a, a second more, Brandon Ayuk had James Bradbury beat pretty badly. If they score a touchdown there on a pop play, the game could have been a little bit different. And it kind of was a game there for a little while until Christian McCaffrey had to run Wildcat and Josh Johnson is just not an NFL quarterback. But um, I think the Eagles are the better team than the Niners. The Eagles are 10 deep on the defensive line with how Jalen Hurts played in that Super Bowl. Like he displayed to me that he can take another step as a quarterback and there are more leaps in there. I'd take the Eagles offensive line over the Niners, their defensive line over the Niners quarterback. Of course, I think the one, two wide receiver punch of AJ Brown, Devonte Smith is better than Brandon. Ayuk and Debo Samuel. I think that Dallas Goddard is like the second best all around tight end in the NFL behind Kittle defensively outside of the defensive line. It's kind of a it's kind of a wash. Um, Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan. Nick's won a lot of big games. Kyle's been in a lot of big games, but he's blown some leads. So I think it's 50-50 there. But I give the Eagles the edge in that week 13 matchup. But that stretch is brutal. Like you gotta go. I'm looking at it right now. Like Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, and let's not sleep on Seattle either. Going all the way to the Pacific Northwest is really difficult. Eagles have never played well there. I will say, though, and coming off a Super Bowl loss, it's going to be tough to get off to a fast start. But if you look at Patriots, Vikings, Bucks, Commanders, Rams, like that's five games right there where if you go 4-1, and 5-0, and you can set yourself up to maybe have that stretch earlier in the season. 
uh, for some wiggle room there to maybe drop some of those games. Yeah, yeah I'm going to take the. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, you know, I'll I'll do the the other side of of not of not your argument, but I hear a lot of people saying like uh, that's focus that they're focused on like that brutal stretch there, right? But the thing about that is that the Dallas and and KC games are separated by the bye week, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't. I, it's funny because I don't. I don't. <laughs> we, we make fun of like the dudes who go. Uh, game by game through the schedule and do the win loss or whatever. Like it's an old radio thing, you know, Oh, I got them going 17 and 0, right. Yeah. But, yeah. But I mean, like seriously, like I, I, I'm looking through these first eight here and I'm laughing because peg and didn't you have them going six and zero to start last year? Yeah. Um, I had them all the way up to eight now. Yeah. They, and that, there's a realistically look, they got, they can beat new England in, in week one on the road. Yes. It's a short rest, uh, you know, short turnaround to Minnesota, but it's week two. Like they're f- still going to be fresh. Right. Yeah, and they, Kirk Cousins they sucks a, too. Then they get a break before Tampa Bay on the road, Washington at LA, the Rams uh, at New York, Miami at Washington, Dallas. So they don't have to go. They don't. Have, they leave the East Coast once, and none of those teams are any better than the Eagles. Like I don't want to sound like one of the WIP callers or whatever, but I, I don't see like a reason. I don't see a reason why they can't go eight eight and zero. Who's who's the who in that stretch? Those first eight teams, who's who's most likely to beat them? The Jets, Aaron Rodgers, and the Jets. Yeah. Maybe Miami to keep two upright. Miami, but they got that game at home. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't. I, I don't want to be like the Homer dude, but I. I, I don't. I, I agree with everybody who says that stretch on the on the in the middle of the season is terrible. But you're kind of like hopefully cruising. You blow your load in the Dallas game, and then you and then you get the bye, and then yeah. whatever happens from there happens. You know. I was looking at some of the analytics. The Eagles have like the second easiest schedule the first six weeks of the season. Yeah. So it's going to be really important for them to start off fast. And I will say like weird shit does happen week one every single year. There's always like some massive upset. I mean, the Eagles almost lost to the Lions last year. So Patriots yeah. honoring Tom Brady going to be a difficult game. Bill Belichick defense against I'm not going to say gimmicky offense, but like an offense that he can scheme up against potentially um, kind of a difficult game, but they should win it for sure. They're like they're probably going to be, the lines are probably out, right? They're five and a half, six point favorites. I think early on. I think so. Yeah, they also have Matt, yeah. they also have Matt Patricia for all the inside in sources. <laughs> sources. Then they're yeah. going to fire his ass off out of a cannon. Darius Slay is going to light it out of Nova care complex. They only, love it. they only need them against the, the secret Patriots. weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more for you. When do you when do you think they bring out the uh, the Kelly Greens? You think you know Week Nine against the Cowboys back in the day, Ooh. maybe a body bag game two against the Commies, or does Jeffrey Lurie make a late Christmas season push and have him for Giants versus uh, versus Eagles on Christmas so they can sell a bunch of jerseys? Yeah, so they wore the black jerseys what twice last year. So they did. They wore for the Thursday night football game against the Texans, I believe. And yeah, and then there was another year. time. They're always good for a prime prime time. Like they of love course. to roll out the, the black so jerseys. We get the Kelly Greens. Let's say two times. Um, okay. Let's see. Looking at the schedule here. Why not week two? Why not that first Thursday night against Minnesota? Like that would be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Home opener. Um, yeah. Another. You got. Uh, let's see. Cowboys Eagles would be awesome. Oh, week um, nine. Yeah. Especially if the Cowboys rock those uh, those like old school blue unis, like they're okay. always in the whites, pretty much. But if you go yeah. Kelly Green against blue, I think that'd be fresh. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. shades of Kevin Cobb, uh, the Kevin Cobb era with the yeah, Kelly Green's Kevin Cobb. Back. Yeah, <laughs> lasted all of like shady. two quarters. <laughs> yep. Shady like and Kevin Cobb Michael yeah. Vick coming Michael in. Michael Vick. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. Hey Chase, 
Thank you so much, man. Where can people find you on YouTube and on social? Yeah, uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Chase underscore Senior. Uh, senior is my real name. I do not have a kid, and I when I do have a son, potentially, I'm not going to name him Chase as well so that he's Chase Senior Junior and I'm Chase Senior Senior. Yeah, and then on YouTube, I get that a lot. It's like a high school substitute teacher joke. But that my, I was pagan. I went to a Catholic school. They're like, oh, pagan in a Catholic Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then on YouTube, uh, 49ers Report, we got like 81,000 subscribers over there. And then Eagles now, uh, 45,000 subscribers. Nice. So football season is going to be awesome. Cover, you know, the NBA and the Sixers as well on the chat sports side too, so. Yeah, man. If people ever want to watch a game, put you know Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on mute. They can just go listen to you on the YouTube on a secondary. Uh, for stream. sure, yeah. We we hop in the uh, play-by-play duffel bag once in a while for some of our watch parties too, because we have like a large international audience. Um, because you know they're not able to watch some of these games, so we do these watch parties where we do some play-by-play. I did play-by-play at Temple too, so I do enjoy doing that. And then uh, we make it fun too. Audience interaction. We drive like super chat donations. I shotgun plenty of beers on air to kind of make it uh, the best place to be outside of being at the actual game. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, man. Peace. One more hey, thing before we get out of here. Hey, what do you... Never mind. I was going to make a, a dumb joke. Carry no, on. no, I want to hear it. No, I was going to say, what do you think Bob Huggins would think of Lansdale Catholic? <laughs> that wasn't that bad. I can't no, say what no. I think, but you know I what? I don't think you think I don't think he would have tended. I think he would be a North Penn guy if I, if I really had to be. Maybe a Boyertown guy. He'd bring Boyertown high. So so Cincinnati. So Cincinnati. Yeah. So North Penn is Cincinnati, and Xavier is uh, Lansdale Catholic. No, North North Penn. No, uh, Cincinnati is is Boyertown high. It might be uh, might be Perk Valley. <laughs> might be Pottstown. Pottstown. Poor Pottsgrove. Um, I got one more thing before I want to uh, wrap this up. What an absolutely insane deal. And I know I, I know there's strategies and everything behind it, but like Peacock paying $110 million for one wild card playoff game yeah, is absolutely insane to me. To put it into context, Kev, you'll enjoy this. Apple paid $250 million for a thousand MLS games. They're paying $110 million on top of what NBC already pays for the rights for four hours of content, four yeah. hours of content. That is crazy. NFL's king, man. Well, Joe, yeah, Joe uh, Pompliano says it in the tweet there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised, really. You know, I mean, they are the the. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is the most interesting thing with the NFL is like the NFL going to be the last holdout against uh, streaming. Streaming, yeah, okay. We're for well, I mean, I know you got the prime the prime game on Thursday or whatever, but I mean, for the most part, it's like the NFL you would think would be the last to uh, you know, to go or really make that shift like the other sports have, you know. So, what do you think just has a for a local perspective? I don't know if you you scheduled the blog or if you even got to it yet, but I did write about this and it'll be up on the site if it isn't already up on the site. I'll get to it. I had it in a, in a little bit of a blurb was this has to be a death sentence for NBC sports and RSNs. If you're paying this much money for Peacock and your streaming services and you want to win the streaming wars and the goal is to mitigate cord cutting due to subs because 20 million people annually have watched this wild card game. So like, what do you hope you hope one fifth of them, you know, mm. forget to cancel slash find out that, Oh my God, we have law and order reruns. 
or you know, yeah. I can watch Bupkis with with Pete Davidson as he uh, advances his role of weirdo guy from Staten Island who doesn't who just wonders why life is against him. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, man. You're always looking for like little synergies within those kinds of things. You know, like the MLS thing. I fucking hate Apple with every mm-hmm. fiber of my being, but I signed up for it because I'm a huge union guy. And then like, okay, I've watched Ted Lasso because I have the subscription now and I'm watching this like sci-fi shit on there now, like something called Did Silo. you like Lasso? The Silo. Did I like Ted Lasso? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's really funny, man. It's like- I like, That shocked me. I thought you would you would hate Ted Lasso. Why? Because it's like um, because like, you hate Americans who love EPL teams over the MLS. So I thought you you like you're you're a staunch, you know, you're a staunch supporter of of uh, of MLS, and you do like your EPL, but you are a very strong supporter. But it's not really a soccer show, you know. It's it's like a comedy, you know, uh, with like good British, British writing. It's centered around soccer, but it's not really about. It's not a you know. It's not like a soccer show, you know what I mean? It's just fun. It's like it's like when I learned that Bend It Like Beckham was not about David Beckham at all. Um, it was some like rom-com or some shit. I, it was just different. It was it was not what I was expecting. But but I mean, like, I don't know, maybe maybe because if, if NBC is thinking, if Comcast is thinking of like, hey, you know, we're gonna move the RSNs over to Peacock or whatever, you know, what else are we moving over there? What what is what is our offering on on Peacock? You know, they will probably want to push to have as much as they can, you know. So I, I you know, it's interesting to think about all that from a from a larger pers- perspective, you know, I mean, because if Sixers fans, you know, have to get their game, well, Sixers not a great example now, but you know, if one of the one of the teams got moved over to there, and it's like, what else is going to hold my attention over there too, you know? So it's interesting to to latch onto that and think about that. Last one, real quick, like, do you what do you make of the Phillies having the Mets fan throw out the first pitch again? It's just like, it, just because he takes his jersey off doesn't mean he's not. A Mets fan. I, I just don't understand it. Like, hey, thanks yeah. for the 1500, 1500 tickets, but like, you're not coming on the field and throwing the first pitch. That's just dumb shit. Give him another perk. Like, give him a give him yeah. vouchers for like some woke Bud Lights or something like that. There's other ways <laughs> to uh, to get to thank them for spending a bunch of money with us. But I could just I just think it looks so dumb from an optics standpoint. Again, because imagine if like you know the Cow- Cowboys fans came up and spent spent a bunch of money and bought a bunch of suites at Lincoln Financial Field. You're gonna get. Let uh, Scooter Magruder kick a field goal, you know, on the yeah. field before the game. Or uh, Penguins fans, you know, or when the when the Rangers fans took over the Wells Fargo Center for that Flyers game earlier, you're gonna get let them do the ceremonial puck drop with Jonesy. You know, it's like what the fuck, fuck are we doing? You know, can you imagine if like if the Phillies, like a pandemic crew, say the pandemic crew got like fifteen hundred people to go up to a Mets game or something like that? They're gonna let the leader of the pandemic crew throw out the first pitch. I mean, it would be LOL Mets. Like we would, it's the dumbest shit ever. I mean, we would have a field day with that. This is uh, like something that you. This is like something you do when you're the Altoona Curve, or the Oakland Athletics. Like the Oakland Athletics, I could see pulling this move when they're like halfway to Vegas. And but you're take any ticket, you'll take any ticket sales that you can get. The Arizona Coyotes, if you can fill four thousand seats in their five thousand seat arena, like yeah, come drop the puck or something. You know, this is like it just feels like bush league to me. Is anybody at the Phillies? paying attention down there. It's fine that it happened once last year, whatever, no big deal. But you're going to let these dudes do it again, and you're just going to say, don't wear any Mets gear? So, like, just, just like, read the room a little bit, man. It's just, it's just dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. It's just – I I mean, I'm banned. I would love to throw the first pitch, but I'm not – I don't think I'm allowed. So <laughs> – I'm open. Or, I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to extend the olive branch, but, you know, it's well, – the powers we'll that be. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. We'll work yeah. on that. Yeah, between that and uh, 
and Peacock. Yeah. I don't understand anything anymore. I don't know. So. Well, good show otherwise, you know. So. Anything else before we get the hell out of here? Nah, man. Nah. Who's going to win the mayor race? Uh, I would say Rebecca Reinhardt is going to wear. Is it Reinhardt or Reiner? Yeah. How do you say her last name? Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Who's in the- yeah, there's no uh, there's no update on the polls. We need uh we yeah. need that guy from CNN or NBC ten who does the uh, who does the touch screen. We need him to be all over it. How is John, there not John any- King? John King. Yeah, John King. Why yeah. is there nobody? Why do we have no reporting going on? It's one o'clock in the afternoon. Because they already rigged the election yesterday, and they know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Hel- Helen Gim wins. This might be the worst week for Sixers in the Sixers history. <laughs> Sixers, yeah, maybe like David Edelman's worst week of all time, you know, because she'll she'll take the Sixers arena plans and put them straight into the bagster, you know. Yeah. Helen Gim, by the way, at Crossing Broad, if if Helen Gim wins the election, we'll share the comment that she wrote on Crossing Broad. That is uh, true. We are kind of like right in the middle. We get we get content from Helen Gim if she wins, mm-hmm. and then like we're kind of proponents of the of the downtown arena, and we don't get a downtown arena, so we're kind of like right in the middle. Yeah, kind of, yeah, it's, right. it's interesting. I, if I had to take a wild guess, I think a Democrat is going to win. Mm. You don't think David O's got it this year? No, I don't think. No, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. David I'm going to go, go out on a limb there and say that the next mayor of Philadelphia will be a Democrat. The Ralph Nader of uh, of Philadelphia. David O. <laughs> All right. Hey, Ralph thanks to everybody who joined. Thanks to thanks to Chase Senior. Go follow him at Chase underscore Senior. Go follow him at Chat Sports. I actually do a really good job. He does like shotgun beers like half the time. Like you know when he gets like uh, maybe a, maybe a touchdown happens or like a certain uh, goal from uh, from their subscriber count happens. Thanks to Craig on the ones at Tuesday. Thank you to you listeners.